0: What's going on, everyone? I'm Chris Weidman on the debut episode of Won't Back Down radio podcast. I'm joined by my friend and UFC Bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling ahead of his UFC 280 title defense. Plus, UFC featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovski joins me from Abu Dhabi to discuss being the backup for the lightweight title fight. Take a listen. My good friend, champion of the world, Aljamain Sterling in the building. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Aljo. How are you doing? You're in Dubai right now, getting ready for UFC 280 against TJ Dillashaw. How are we doing? I'm doing great, man. It's, it's an honor to talk to you on, what is this, the first episode of your show? You are the first guest of all time. I feel in, special. It, it's in the I history books. <laughs> I feel special that I know you. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're good friends. That's awesome. How you feeling, man? So you're, you're out in Dubai right now. I see you're living like, you know, like a chic out there. How's it been? What's it What's it like I, out there? I wish I was living like a chic. I need to
1: meet somebody. Um, I, I found this really nice uh, Aventador. Oh, it's
0: yeah. Lamborghini- you're talking about a Lamborghini.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a really nice car. I'm like, I need to find a nice chic friend that can help hook a brother up, you know? Um, but other than that, man, it's been great out here. The hospitality, people have been super nice. And this has been an interesting ending to the to the fight camp in such a nice place where... It's almost like you're on vacation. I got to be like, oh, yeah, don't forget, you're still, you're still in fight camp. We still got a week to go.
0: Yeah, is that that has to be weird because I was going to ask you, do you feel like it, does the anxiety come like every so often when you realize, oh, wait, I do have a fight this week? Or is it just like I'm living the dream right now. I'm having a great time hanging out with Andrew Tate and, and like all these famous people <laughs> and rich people out there? Like, what's uh, that like?
1: It's cool, man. It's just, you know. I guess another fight camp but it's a little bit more um special I guess because of all the things that's going around there is the, like the magnitude of this fight is like unprecedented for me unprecedented for me so um it's just been cool taking it all in such a high profile card and so many high level athletes on this card and to be hanging out with all these guys making all these connections has been cool and um just networking man that's really what this is all about you know you get into this game you know, wide eyed is price fighting. You, you come in here to make money. I've done that, been able to buy three houses, one for my mom, um, invest in things like that it changed my life and I want to continue, um, continue that run. So just got to keep the focus for a couple more days and uh, show up on October 22nd and put on our performance of a lifetime.
0: Before we get all serious and start promoting uh, your fight, UFC 280 live on pay per view, <laughs> 10 p.m. in the East and 7 p.m. in the Pacific. Pacific. Um, well, it's actually, it's- I think it's
1: actually 2 p.m.
0: in the in the uh, East. Oh crap, that's right. So yeah, thank yeah. you for squaring that up for me, bro. So Andrew Tate, this this mythical figure. What is it like meeting him? And uh, I seen you had some backlash. What, what's your thoughts on all that? You know, the the backlash was like um why are you taking a picture with him but
1: the most of the comments on the picture itself were positive i thought at least i couldn't read through all a thousand plus comments i was like this is crazy uh <laughs> but it kind of it kind of broke the internet uh that's crazy so I imagine yeah like my picture or picture and uh leon edwards picture with him uh i guess we were all being crucified um for that and some people were actually praising us you know i i do think he gets a bad rep. And I think the main reasoning for that is because of the way he says things. And when he breaks it down, it makes more sense, but the way he delivers it, it's, I see, I understand completely why people get upset, but people need to understand him and I are two different people. Just cause I met the guy for a couple of minutes does not mean that I think the way that he thinks, and I believe in all the things that he believes in. Um, so I just want to make sure we're definitely clear on that. Uh, you know, so I, I got to, I have the utmost respect for females, of course. I got 14 plus siblings, um, sister siblings. I should specify that. And uh, for anyone to even think that I would ever uh, think about females in the late that he does is completely wrong. And they don't know me, you know? So, um, but other than that, I I don't know much about the guy. So he's a spectacle and he's a controversial figure and he does it intentionally. And He seems to be good at it it because everyone's up in arms about a photo.
0: What's he doing out there? Just like hanging out, taking pictures with fighters?
1: No, I don't. I think he said he was out here on business. He said something like he's going to be around here for about a month or so, uh, him and his brother. Um, I don't know exactly what they're doing, but the guy apparently has a lot of money. I don't know exactly what his net worth is, so he gets to bring his Bugatti anywhere he wants to go. Did he have a (laughs) Bugatti? that's what he said. He flies it out. He said his, for him, he brings his Bugatti everywhere the same way. Like we make sure like for kids, we'd make sure you have everything for him is making sure he has his Bugatti where he, where he's traveling to, which
0: is pretty fun. I mean, and this guy was a, I mean, he was a kickboxer. He was a pretty good kickboxer, right? Like a, maybe a really good kickboxer. I didn't really look I, into him.
1: Yeah. Me either. That's, that's where I'm like, people that think I'm like, like not hugging the guy. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know much about the guy other than his controversial takes. And I watched that five hour Podcast because on with him and Patrick Bet David. Because I thought it would have been interesting just to hear more long form format um, interviews versus short clips that could be taken out of context and make anybody look bad. I've got clips that make me look bad, and I never even did anything with my like I'm talking about the Piotr Jan fight, the first one, and it, the people assumed I was drinking. And I didn't even drink, you know, so it's so easy to just take a clip and spin it into a completely different narrative. And um, yeah, I don't know how good of a kickboxer he was. I saw, like, a video. It didn't look the greatest. But, um I mean, it looked like he
0: hit hard, though, because he put some guys down. But it was, like, clips, you know, so. All right. right, we're fighting TJ Dillashaw to defend your belt. I mean, I talked to you about this and how surreal it is for me, even just being your friend and teammate, Uh, because I remember watching TJ Dillashaw back when he fought hand and brow. I don't know what year that was, but it was a bunch of years ago, right? What was that, like, 2015 or something? I think, like,
1: 15 15- – because I know he fought at at Boston. Yeah, he fought at the Boston TD against Dominic Cruz. I think in 2016 or 2015 when he lost the belt to Cruz. So it might have been 2014 or
0: 2015. Yeah. Okay. But I just remember out of all the fights I've watched to date, that is one that stands out in my mind as like, it was an inspirational fight for me. I remember lead, watching that fight and the next day in training, I'm trying to like switch stances, orthodox punches the kicks into my takedowns. He was just very well-rounded, very confident, did not get tired. He looked for the finish against a guy who was known as like the greatest of all time at that point. And... To yeah. think of that guy that I remember watching to now think about my friend and teammate, Aljamain Sterling, that I've watched, you know, wrestle in high school come all the way up to think not only are you fighting this guy and but also I really believe you're going to beat this guy. It's just crazy for my mind to really wrap around. What's yeah. your thought? Like, where are you at with that? What do you see in TJ Dillashaw?
1: I see a tough competitor who's literally willing to bend the rules and stop at any stop at nothing, I should say, to to win, which we all seen that he got popped for what he got popped for, um, which is EPO, which is why he doesn't get tired. Um, uh, so people that don't know, um, wasn't Usada that caught him, it was the New York State Athletic Commission. He never came clean, he got caught. There's a difference. Um, but I see a
0: competitor that's great. Why didn't awesome. USADA catch him? I don't get that.
1: I guess EPO is very expensive to test for something along those lines but I think the trigger for the New York State Athletic Commission was all the supplements on that video leading up to the fight with Henry Sayudo at the uh, Barclays Center. Um so I think that's why they saw those all those pills and all those things on his table and I think they went checked them out and he got caught,
0: you know, so That's crazy.
1: Um, yeah, it's a crazy story. I mean, I didn't follow it to the T but it's very interesting cuz his teammates only been saying it for years when he fought Garbrandt. Um, a couple of years ago and no one batted an eye or followed up with it. It, it was just like brushed under the rug, but here we are. Um, but yeah, I think he's a tough dude, tough competitor. I think it's going to be a great competitive fight. He's going to be there to win the entire time. You know, I'm, I'm envisioning that I'm fighting the best TJ Pillar show that there is. And um, I love how you throw be, the pillar show in there. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how this one goes, but I really do think I have the edge in every category. And that's why we fight. Cause someone has to be right. Someone has to be wrong.
0: And uh, we're gonna see who did their, their homework better. You are, you're a technician. You have a great fight IQ. I know you study these guys. Um, you're big into watching tape. Technically, what do you see that he does great? And where, where, where do you see his weaknesses? I think he does great. He just knows how to win, I feel like.
1: I mean, the Sanhagen fight, I, I think he knew he couldn't outstrike Sanhagen. So he blended into wrestling really well, held position where he needed to hold position, um, kill time, eat clock, very uh, strategical takedowns and placements within the rounds. And then when he got the takedown, got to his back, he held on. And then when he was able to let off a couple of strikes on the top position, he did that. And then he went back to control and San Hagen would roll and give up position again. So he would just follow suit. But whenever it was a striking affair on the feet, I felt like he kind of got pieced up. I mean, you can see it all over both their faces. I know he said that cut was from a previous cut earlier in camp or something like that. Um, but I think he just knows how to win. And I think he he does a good job of adjusting. He did a great great job adjusting in the fight with Dominic Cruz and he adjusted in the first fight with Cody Garbrandt and was able to catch him in that second round and knock him out after being badly hurt in that first round. So uh, I got my work cut off of me, but I, I think my vision and awareness is going to be key in this fight just making sure I'm dialed in focused um tunnel vision being aware of everything not falling for any traps and imposing my will pressing him backwards and when he gets over aggressive put him on his ass and uh put the hooks in take his back and send that guy home packing
0: there's been a lot of talk about the wrestling because he's like he, you know he's going with the I was a division 1 wrestler Al Jermaine was a division 3 wrestler and I know from being around you as long as I've I've been around you um that bothers you it's like you have a chip on your shoulder with this d3 d1 thing and what he's not taking into account which i know which i know about you is that you started wrestling very late right 10th grade ninth grade 10th grade yeah 10th grade started wrestling to become a division one wrestler at that point i don't care how talented you are it's very hard to do right it's Mm -hmm. it's it's very late but you become a division three wrestler you do great division three Then you've now been wrestling at a high level, even though it's in the practice room the majority of times against some really top division one guys for, I don't know, how long you have been fighting now? Since you've been training? 2011 was my debut, so about 11 years. So you've been wrestling against, you know, in division one wrestling room, you know, at the gym for 11 years, and people aren't looking at it that way. They just see what you've done in college, what he did in college, and then they just say, okay, he's the better wrestler. They're not taking into account that you put yourself in a position to wrestle one of the best at this time, Roman Bravo Young, and went on. You ended up losing, but by like two points, super close match that you were winning. You threw him across the mat. That was a fight that could be game over because, you know, with the way you could take someone's back, you know, it's over. I mean, is is this the self-talk that you're going through in your head to give yourself confidence when you hear this Division One, Division Three thing? Like, where are you at mentally when it comes to the wrestling aspect?
1: I think I'm one of the best wrestlers in the world. I really do believe that, man. And I think even going back down to Hasha, sharpening up my skill set, drilling with some of those guys that are younger, fresher, more durable, and can sustain that wrestling pace. Like, at the gym, it's tough because the guys wrestle in college, they don't want to do it anymore. So it's really hard to find good wrestling partners that can drill the right way. So when you have these young kids and you're keeping up with them, and I would argue doing better, um, I, I think uh, I think that speaks volumes. And I think the Roman Bravo, the RBY match, I think I lost by point. And the sad part about that is obviously the guy's a stud. We've seen what he's done, two-time national champ barely cuts any weight. So he's a lot smaller than me. I had to cut down just to make the, the match fair. And that's in that regards, in regards to size, but uh, I hurt my neck and Peter, Peter, Jan had pulled out of that fight before I did. And I, I wasn't even going to pull out. I was going to just fight and just make it to the show like that. And I, I had to get cortisone shots and all these things. So it is what it is, but long story short, I didn't get to wrestle to prepare for that matchup. I just took the matchup and I'm like, dang, if I actually had a chance to actually get in some kind of wrestling shape, that match more than likely goes my way. And I don't get tired going into that, that third round, that that second period, you know. But it is what it is. Like, losing to a kid like that, there's no shame in losing to a kid like that who's going to go on to do great things. Yeah. And uh, I think that goes to show how good my awareness, my wrestling ability is. And, again, like you, like you pointed out, I've been in these rooms with these other guys. And if he really thinks he's facing a D3-level wrestler, he's in for a rude awakening. And I can't wait to show him what chain wrestling and D3 wrestling power looks like.
0: Yeah, and it's also it's probably the, the craziest thing about it is just how fascinating it is that you put yourself in a position to wrestle somebody like that, knowing that there's. A, I mean, what, what if you get thrown around and thrown around like a rag doll? It's like embarrassing, yeah. right? You're the champion of the world. Like you're putting yourself in positions that 99.9 percent of the people would never do, because the if you win, which actually, I mean, in that situation, if you would have beat Roman Bravo Young, I mean, it's cr- it's pretty awesome, but. It's not like making headlines. It's not like winning a UFC fight, but it's pretty cool for the, you know, just for your own ego and just knowing where you're at. Yeah. Um, the wrestling
1: community loved it, man. They ate it up because they all said I was going to get teched. And they, they said under two minutes, he's getting teched. And yeah. it did not happen. They were even uh, Kale Sanderson, the coach came up to me and said, do you have any eligibility left? El- eligibility left because oh. you could still move. I thought that was the coolest thing. I'm like, dude, you have no idea how high I hold you in the wrestling world. Me like too, you, are
0: the guy, yeah. you are the guy, bro. You are the guy. That was that was like my role model growing up was Kale Sanderson, man. Watching videos of him, he was so good. Uh, let's go into – let's. I mean, obviously, you're a part of UFC 280, which is awesome because you know you get a percentage of pay per views So this is going to be an awesome night for you in every possible way. Um, what's your prediction on the Sean O'Malley and Peter Jan fight? Because obviously, you fought you, you fought Jan. O'Malley hasn't really fought any of these top guys, and I know where he's jumping up and fighting. You know, fighting Jan. It's um it's a really tough tough uh you know thing for him to step up that that quickly and that high up in the rankings um, but matchup wise it's two stand-up guys I think for the most part
1: how do you exactly. what do you think I think that's the key right there is a stand-up matchup um if Jan is smart he's going to wrestle him a little bit just to throw uh O'Malley off of his game if he goes in and just straight up strikes with him it's a, fi- it's a 15 minute fight three rounds it's not five five rounds so The chances of of O'Malley getting tired, which we've kind of seen in the past when he's gone coming into that late third round. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think he's grown. I think it's gonna be a very competitive fight. I don't really know which way he's gonna go. We don't know if O'Malley can take the punishment as much as he could dish it out. We know he could dish it out. He's super slick. He's got the skill set on the feet. He's got like legitimate talent um, and skills. I just don't know if he's got the meanness and toughness like Jan does. And I think that's gonna be the difference the, the deciding factor in that fight. Cause I think it's going to be very competitive with the kickboxing and uh, I could see O'Malley touching him up early, but with the range, the height, um, the lateral footwork, I think Jan struggles a bit with that. I think you saw that with my fight um, when people don't stand in front of him, gives him what he wants. It could be a little bit more of a difficult fight. So I'm looking forward to that one. I don't have the answers. I really don't know which way it's going to go, but based on what both guys have done, I would have to lean towards Jan in that one because I, I've seen him in the later rounds and we all know he's durable. He could take a shot, and he could keep on going.
0: Uh, I feel like O'Malley and Sanhagen are, are kind of similar with their with their styles, length, and all that. Like, who do you think who do you think has a better stand up between those guys? Because Sanhagen would be like the closest look alike to, to O'Malley, and they had fought once before. Ah, oh, man, that's
1: an interesting one, man. I would love to see that matchup. Both really tall, lanky guys, both use their range really well and footwork uh once switch stances a little bit more in sanhagen and he goes to the body and digs a lot more where O'Malley kind of picks you apart from the top and then he'll throw those spitting uh head kicks, wheel kicks and things like that that would be a very interesting fight for sure um and i don't know i don't even know who has more more power in that one yeah i was gonna
0: say like i've seen we've seen O'Malley knock people out like a big right hand or whatever and they just drop um yeah. Uh, I mean, does, does he have more power than like a Sanhagen? And is that going to be a difference? Like, because Jan kind of moves forward, his hands are up, but there's gaps in there. Does O'Malley sit down on punches and it's a little bit different than what he's experienced before?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun time for the bandweight division. That's all I can say. Like there's so yeah. many good matchups for myself, for Marab. Uh, there's just so many fun fights. And I, I just hope that we get to see a lot of these fun matchups like like, even for me, uh, as a fan of the sport, I hope to see Rafael Sonsal versus Dominic Cruz. Since both guys are older at the tail end of their career, like, that would be a fun matchup. To see matchups like that, Jose Aldo versus Dominic Cruz should have happened. Um, Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar should have happened. You know, like like these matchups, I'm hoping that we could get something where we could, where we could have, like, a Nate Diaz versus Tony Ferguson type of matchup. Um, event before it all fizzles out and then these guys all just disappear, you know, mm. these are the great what if factors in, in this band weight division. So yeah, there's a lot of good fights. There's a lot of potential with both these matchups. I don't know between O'Malley and Sean O'Malley and uh, Jan, and then Jan, not san uh, Sanhagen and O'Malley. And you got Cheeto, another tall frame, lanky guy. So it, there's a lot of fun matchups. I, I really don't know which way those matchups will go though. It's, it's going to come down to just who can impose their game plan. I think it's come down to a game of inches. And sometimes it's really just in the moment. Like, it get, like if they fought 10 times, who would win the, the majority of the times? I really don't know.
0: And yeah, bro. This division is stacked. And guess who the king is? It's you. You're the champion. Yeah. You're the champion <laughs> of the stacked bantamweight division with some huge names in there. And uh, I'm super excited for you. Uh, we are going to wrap this up now, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Tell Rebecca, I said, hi, I know you're picking up from the airport and, uh, you know, I'll be talking to you throughout the week, obviously. So, uh, but I appreciate you jumping on, man. My first guest of the new won't back down radio show. Make sure to uh, market it for me, bro. I will make sure you guys tune in like subscribe all that stuff my man busted open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling join Dave LaGreca WWE Hall of Famers Billy Ray and Mark Henry and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer Dave LaGreca here from WWE to AEW
1: Impact New Japan Ring of Honor and more we talk it all whether you grew up watching Ric Flair
0: or Stone Cold Steve Austin busted open is your place for pro wrestling busted open Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. The pound for pound king, the featherweight world champion. He is the backup right now for the lightweight uh, championship fight. And he is out in Dubai. Thank you for joining us. What's up, man? No worries at all, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, uh, how? I mean, how did this come about? You are the featherweight champion. You're on the pound for pound list. You're number one. Um you could keep just defending your title of featherweight and kind of keep it simple. You don't give away as many advantages in that weight class as you would give away, uh, you know, going up to going up in weight. What made what made you do this?
2: Oh, man, just, uh, you know, obviously, a goal of mine was to be, you know, champ, champ, get that lightweight title as well, you know what I mean? So that was something that I wanted to do. I've been wanting to do it for a while, but the type of guy I am, I want to be able to earn that opportunity uh, rather than just... Uh, you know, just rather than it be given to me. So I waited till, you know, I've defended, you know, quite a few times, waited till uh, I can sort of uh, leave, uh, the not leave the featherweight division, but I wouldn't even say put it on hold. I don't think I'm putting it on hold, but I waited till now, which I think is a great time uh, to, to move up and, uh, you know, fight for the lightweight title. So the thing is with me, again, I want to do it quickly. I ain't getting any younger. So I was just... Man, I need to get in there, and you know, I was obviously injured from my last one, from the last fight. But I knew I could get ready in in enough time, and I didn't want anyone else to take this opportunity away from me. And because I want my next fight to be a lightweight, so I'm putting myself in this position.
0: So you want your next weight, next fight to be a lightweight? Is that do you see yourself going back down to featherweight at some point, or you think lightweight is kind of where your future lies?
2: I definitely feel uh, I definitely uh, want to go. Back to, I want to do both. So, I'm still want to stay champion by both divisions. A lot of people, you know, might think that it can't be done, but you know, I've proven that I I can be active. Uh, you know, many times, especially with my last fight, even with Max, you know, three months after I fought a zombie, that was a tough fight. You know, it's a, a lot of people thought tough matchup. Not many people want to just to get back to back with guys like Max Holloway, but for me, I want to be active again. I'm at my peak. Uh, right now so I want to make the most of that and another good example to show how serious I am about being active is how long ago was it when I, I thought I had a broken hand I broke my hand against uh, Max Holloway and I'm still uh, managed to be ready for for this event which uh, you know a lot of guys wouldn't even be ready to defend their own belt or or do anything I, I consider this very very active and for me to do this coming off surgery I think he's a uh, proves my point anyway proves my point that I want to be active and I want to you know when I get uh, both belts I want to keep both of them busy
0: it also shows that you you're putting your ego to the side I mean you're you're the pound for pound king and right now you're in Dubai you're weighing in for a fight that I mean most likely won't happen and you're you're considered a backup fighter right now and I don't, I'm pretty sure that's never happened in the history of the sport where a champion comes in, flies across the, across the world to just be a backup fighter with the potential of possibly fighting that night, but obviously low percentage chance of happening. Uh, but now is it, is a guarantee that you would be fighting for the lightweight championship now because you're doing this?
2: Uh yeah, I'd say so. You know what I mean? Like uh, I haven't got it written, um, you know, on paper, but yeah. I mean, you know, that's basically the plan plans So that's why I put myself in this position and. Uh, again, I did the same thing uh, when I was, fighting, you know, when I was a challenger, wanting to get that featherweight strap. I went over to Edmonton uh, to watch, and no, actually weigh in, sorry, for uh, Frankie Edgar and Max Holloway. Because again, mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone else to take that opportunity away from me, so I went there, made sure if that opportunity did arise, I'll be there to take it. If not, uh, you know, that puts me, puts me next. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's how I look at it. Uh, I think that's fair. I think the UFC understand that. I think everyone understands that. That's what we've talked about. So, um, we'll see what happens. The only thing is I want to be active. So, depending who wins and when they want to fight next, if I don't need to step in this weekend, that depends when I'm fighting uh, next. Because, uh, again, I don't want to wait too long. Yeah. Uh, I know Charles wants to fight ASAP. He wants to be very active. He's even talking about fighting next year in January. Uh, which I'm happy to do, or Australian card. Either way, just depends. What next for me depends on how active the person who wins wants to
0: be. Is it the, uh, the you looking at these guys, these 55ers, and seeing a challenge there stylistically that excites you, or is it more uh, when, when you look at the featherweight division right now, um, there's not going to be anybody that steps in the octagon that's going to be a, a favorite over you. But you step into 155, there's gonna be a lot of doubters. There's gonna be a lot of people who are like, yeah, he's too small for those guys. The wrestling of Makachev is too much, the jujitsu of Oliver is too much. And it for the first time in a long time for you, you're gonna be an underdog and there's gonna be a lot of people who don't believe in you. Is that the motivation? Is is that just part of the motivation, or is that you think really like the main motivation for you?
2: Yeah, man, it's a, it's a few things. It's quite a few things. Obviously, it is a, a challenge, which I, I, I do like. I like a challenge and uh I like testing myself too, you know, again, like, I ain't, like, uh, I ain't saying this is going to be easy, you know what I mean, yeah. like, uh, I know going up, like, like that's what a lot of people thinking. I'm, you know, doing this, uh, you know, short notice, and, you know, barely, like, trust me, I train hard, like, uh, you know, as soon as I was able to train, I, I did, and I, I put the work in, um, I bring wrestling coaches in, uh, you know, bring uh, Craig Jones in as well for some jiu-jitsu, and mm. uh, bring some big wrestlers, other big wrestlers in, so... Uh, Frank Hickman's my, my wrestling coach, so I flew him in. But I mean, I bring other wrestling coaches and things like that. So, uh, look, I know I need to be prepared. So I put myself for the last four or five weeks. It's been, yeah, we've been we've been getting into it because I know it's a challenge. But again, yeah. that excites me. Um, I love, uh, you know, not not proving people wrong, but I mean, I love, I love, I love that doubt. I love, uh, I love uh, being the underdog. I love that that side of things. And man, if you want to be great, you know you know, a wise man once said, you know, dare to be great. You know what I mean? And I I totally agree with that. You know, I think uh, doing things like this really will set yourself uh, up for, you know, a big legacy, which is something that I, you know, that I do want. You know, I do want the challenge. Um, It is motivating for me. I want to inspire others. But um, look, yeah, just man, there's a a few things that goes into it, but I'm just the type of guy that, I put a task in front of me and not only tell me I can't do it, I'm going to want to do it, but put a task in, in, in front of me anyway, and I'm going to want to do it purely just because that's just the guy I am. I love a challenge.
0: How are you How are you preparing for, you know, you got two guys you're really preparing for in, in the same training camp. Like, how does that even work?
2: Man, it's uh, funny.
0: Like, I think we
2: did, we did a pretty good job, to be honest. Like, I'm uh, doing... Some of our workouts that we do, like sparring rounds and workouts that we're doing, like uh, the Shark Take type uh, mm-hmm. fight simulator that we do, uh, I'm doing almost round by round changing up. So there's just, you know what I mean? Which it's funny how quickly I can adapt. Like I've always been a, uh, a fighter that can adapt to whatever's happening in front of me. Um, I've always loved sparring different people and different styles, shapes purely because of that because yeah. I want to be able to figure – I love figuring people out and I can figure them out quickly. Uh, so that's what uh, Joe, uh, my, my coach, has been doing. He's been uh, getting guys into each round. They're just mixing it up. They're giving me a different look. I've even had some of them mixing it up in, in, the, in the actual round. So you had like a more of a South Pole wrestling approach. Uh, then you had like a, you know, how could you say uh, uh, Charles is almost like a Muay Thai. He's got a lot more upright, calmly, aggressively comes uh, forward. You know, trying to draw some of those shots at it so he can learn some himself. So it's um, it's 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 crazy how quickly I can adapt to things like that. But yeah, I think uh, Joe Lopez, my coach, has been doing a great job uh, in doing that.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds actually really fun. The, like to switch yeah. it up and have like new guys coming at you, and people are you know, you know people around you are probably blown away that you're able to, you know, pick up on these different on these different styles that are coming at you in like quick you Know turnarounds, you know, within yeah. like a round, you have to now fight Mackie The next round, you're fighting Oliveira. That's yeah, crazy. well, it's
2: it's yeah, it is funny. Like, again, it is um pretty crazy. I think that if there's a, a fighter that could do it, it is me. So, uh, like, uh, again, I, I proved that I can make uh, adjustments mid fight, uh, pretty quickly. I get reads pretty quickly, but I'm doing these uh, as I'm saying, so I'm doing these uh, some of the workouts that we're doing. Like, this whole workout is about breaking me. Mm. um that's you no know, it's it's tough like you know you're doing you know, wrestling grappling like all fresh guys pads sparring all in one and like you're just getting the guys every 30 seconds coming in uh mm. to really put it on you so you can imagine like uh, you're you're fatigued uh you're mentally fatigued you know what i mean and then all these different looks are coming at you but i'm still adjusting uh mid like mid rounds when i'm uh, you know well, no I yeah again like, yeah, like the, the the idea of this is the go breaking point so I'm going to this type of fatigue and to still be able to deal with uh, these different looks in front of me it's, it's it is pretty impressive but it's no surprise to me because uh, of the way I, I've always trained
0: yeah I can see the the uh, like the fact that you want to stay super busy you get an injury you have hand surgery and you do not want to just be laying down on a couch and let your skills just slowly fade away and your age go up and up and you try and make the most of it. When you look at these, when you look at these guys, Oliveira, Makhachev, who is the better matchup for you? Like, what do you think is the easier fight? Not to say either, any of them are e- easy, but. Yeah, exactly. So it's not, I know
2: exactly what you mean. Again, they're different challenges, right? So, uh, when, when, uh, easier is yeah, probably not the, the right word because you're going to look at Charles as more dangerous, right? He's going to have a, you got that submission threat. He even still is a half decent wrestler himself, uh, and then you obviously got his uh, hands, and he'll eat one to give one. So he's dangerous in as many ways. But then you got Islam, who's a totally different fighter. Who he's gonna, his whole approach is to break you, get you down. He's gonna be very top heavy uh, and all that type of stuff. So you, so for for Islam, I had to. I guess I had to adjust my camp and. Uh, focus, if I had to focus more on anyone, it was probably Islam, purely because of the wrestling. I know while I'm fighting him, you know, unless I land something big early and it doesn't go there, I know that there's a good chance he's going to grab a hold of me. He might even get me down. But I mean, I'm very hard to hold down. Like I have made sure I did rounds on rounds on rounds of defense, getting to the ground, getting back up, starting from bad positions on the bottom, getting back up, just so even if I do get there, I can just do that. For five rounds, no, no problem. You know what I mean. So my fitness to to bounce back up and down with heavy guys, guys like Craig Jones, uh, wrestlers from uh, you know Frank Kickman, uh, all that, all that type of stuff. You know, we're just doing rounds and rounds of that. So it is different camp. You you know you've got to make a couple of different uh, adjustments in camp to be ready for that, especially in such a short time. Yeah. With Charles, I think just my style and a normal camp that I usually do. Works with him pretty pretty well. My style and uh, you know how I go about things. I think uh, is all right. The adjustments I need to make are more for Islam. So I'd say uh, if I had to say who would be a better matchup, would probably be Charles.
0: Gotcha. Um, what is uh, what is your prediction? Because it's most funny, likely, funny. what's sorry,
2: sorry to cut you off. Sorry to cut you off. But it's funny when I say that because I've always uh, said to people. Even early in the days that, uh, even guys with like Chad Mendes, I go, you might get me down, but you are not going to hold me down. Like I'm very, very hard to get to, to even get down. But if you get down to hold me down, it's very, very hard. Especially my little uh, midget legs. You know what I mean? So <laughs> these, uh, they're, they're very, very, very yeah. easy to get back to my feet. Uh, I'm always, uh, yeah, again, I'm, I'm very, very hard to get down and get flat on my back, completely flat on my back. Even if you do get me down, I'm usually on a butt. I'm usually on a post. I'm usually framing on a head or I'm already on my feet. You know what I mean? So I'm always fighting from from these positions. Uh, it's very rarely I get down flat on my back. And even when I do, in camp, I'm preparing for that as well. So I put myself in those positions. We're inspiring. And uh, in these meat grinders or these shark tanks, I'm telling you, I'm barely ever flat on my back. But we put ourselves in these positions anyway, just so we're prepared just in case we go there.
0: Yeah, watching your last couple of fights, I mean, I think it's pretty uh... – Glaring how how well rounded you are and how you could adjust to kind of beat anybody out there. Um, just to wrap up, what it, I mean, the percentages of you actually fighting this weekend are probably pretty low. Um, how do you see that fight going on be, uh, between Makachev and Olivera? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting
2: fight. It is an interesting fight. Like, you know, we're breaking it down. Um, you know, uh, it's pretty interesting. But if I had to lean towards uh, someone, it would, it would probably be Islam. It's funny. It's funny because I think obviously he's he's going to want to take it to the ground a lot. Charles is obviously very good there, but I think if uh, Islam approaches the fight, how we will, I think he's uh, you know even when he approaches his wrestling, he always you know he do- he doesn't take many risks. You know he, his approach he is very safe. Into the takedown, clinch up. He's going to want to grab a hold, bring you down, and put you down in a position he wants you. That's the difference. Uh, I think if uh, Charles was to fall to the ground or Trip over, land on his back, and you know, invite Islam on his back into his guard. I don't think Islam's gonna want to approach it that way. Islam don't will want to grab. Gonna, okay. I think Islam's gonna want to grab a leg, climb, clinch, bring him down, literally bring him to the floor, already caging his hips, already controlling him in a position top heavy where doesn't give a Charles' room to, you know, use his uh, submissions, throw his hips around, throw his triangles and uh, give put him in positions where he could be dangerous. I think uh, yeah, that's how I look at it. I honestly think if he were, even if Islam was to hit uh, Charles, like you've seen Charles in the last uh, couple of fights and go down and go, you know, bring it on, invite him in, I've got a feeling Islam would be like nah, you know, or, or maybe try and grab a leg and just clinch and get there but I think he's going to want to approach it differently. I know he would no. prefer to grab a hold of Charles, bring him down his way, put him in a position he exactly wants to be when he hits the mat.
0: Awesome, I agree with you. Um, one last question before we leave What was it like inside Mark Zuckerberg's house?
2: Oh, he's a cool dude, man. He's a a cool dude. He's uh, it was what was the coolest thing is uh, how much we even had in common. He's a very active man, like you know, he loves his uh, sports, as you can see, he loves watching the sports, he knows a lot about it. So uh, we had a lot in common. There was plenty to talk about because he's, he's a he's a big fan. And, uh, you know, he was uh, – yeah, he loves his water sports. He loves uh, all that type of stuff. So we had a good time.
0: I love that he's a fan of MMA, man. So cool. Massive, like, massive fan. He knows everything. That's awesome. Um, all right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you uh, joining us. Good luck this weekend. You know, I hope it works out for you. Good luck making weight. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of your career, man
2: no worries mate thanks for having me hopefully I was good enough uh, guest on your show my man your first show hopefully this was I amazing you, uh, some. hopefully bro, I didn't go. ramble too much no <laughs> Jeez,
0: you mate. did you, you crushed it bro I really appreciate it no worries mate thank you alright brother take care good. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM sports podcast network if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today, wherever you stream your podcasts. Plus, catch Back Down Radio, Unlocking the Cage, and MMA Today on SiriusXM Fight Nation Channel 156 and on the SXM app.
2: SiriusXM Podcasts.